All right, Raiders, Laura Gaga here, also known as Reduction Raider. How you all doing? Hope you've had a good week. Now, what do you get if you put Airbnb together with a good life? Now, some of you might not be old enough to remember the good life, but don't worry, our next guest is bringing some new stuff to the garden table. So without further ado, let's welcome him on. Welcome to this week's guest. Can you start by telling us a bit about yourself? Yeah, no problem. Um, my name's Connor Gallagher. Uh, I'm 31. I live in South London. Um, I was formerly an architect and I'm now the full-time founder of AllotMe, which is a platform that helps to pair unused garden space or any type of space with would-be vegetable growers. Fantastic. How long has, How long have you been doing that? Um, so I actually started um, or sort of found it a lot me back in 2018 um, and I was doing it in my spare time sort of in the evenings and weekends while I was still working as an architect uh, here in the city um, and yeah it was it was just during um, during lockdown that I kind of saw a massive uptick in the amount of people on our own waiting list which kind of um, ran parallel to the sort of stories you saw at the time of people talking about you know the safe havens of allotments during lockdown and um, so there's a lot of demand and i kind of uh, used that as a little bit of time to um, work on it full time realized how much i could get done and uh, then we launched just about um, over a month ago uh, and i've been full time on it since august last year because that's quite a jump from architecture to allotments isn't it yeah, it's interesting. I think uh, in hindsight, you kind of look back and see all the little dots that you left, all the breadcrumbs that kind of, you know, led you down to this path. But I think, you know, architects are trained to look for efficient uses and novel uses with design in the city to, to you know, maximize space, essentially. Um, so I think, you know, I, I've, you know, I started out with a lot me to try and sort of uh, create a better platform for allotments to be used and managed then of course realize that you know it wouldn't help for the issue of the massive oversubscription of demand versus the actual supply of traditional allotments so it kind of opened up then to gardens and just any type of space and i think yeah certainly the architectural trainings kind of had a play in that where you you sort of walk around the city and you see all these little gap sites and overgrown gardens which is not always a bad thing but um yeah, that you definitely see lots of un unused kind of space in the city, and when there's such high demand in the waiting list, it sort of sort of seemed like an obvious solution. Um, but yeah, you know, urban design. I've worked for for landscape architects, and I've sort of always had a uh, an interest in in food in different ways. Um, and of course, the you know the actual reduction in food miles, uh, food transportation, and our you know reliance on imported food played a massive impact on, on, on sort of why I wanted to do it and, the, and those kind of sustainability aspects to it. And then there's, of course, sort of mental health and everything that goes along with that. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, at the time I, I was, uh, there was a, a competition for sort of startup ideas from London Metropolitan University, which is where I just recently qualified as an architect, the sort of final step in the kind of long slog that architecture is. And um, yeah, there was an open call for sort of startup ideas and uh, I initially entered it into that and they had a, a social impact category. And after kind of going through different workshops and pitching to various judges and things like that, um, it came out on top as the as social impact category. So that was still while I was an architect and um, 
I sort of honed the idea and a bit like you do, you know, interviewed people from sort of similar areas and tried to learn from them. Uh, and then the, the, the idea and the actual, you know, website developed over time uh, to what it is today. A bit of a dragon's den. Uh, yeah, the, it was a bit of that kind of setup for the um, for that startup uh, competition. Um, I haven't had to go into similar situations just yet, but um, in terms of investments or anything like that. But it was it was very uh, yeah you know high stress situations of sort of getting you know distilling your idea down into like two minutes, then one minute, then thirty seconds, and then you know being sharp on the questions things. But it was a, a fun ride. Wow. And talking of your relationship with food, what is that like currently? So at the moment, um, my relationship with food is very specific. Um, I've sort of did a bit of a resolution this year to try and cut out as much sugar as possible in my diet and to try and, you know, just really, uh, really pare it back. Um, so I do the whole kind of meal prep thing at the minute and, um, you know, try and cook for, I've sort of you know, four or five different recipes, which I'm kind of going on. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm vegan, sort of plant-based, mostly vegan, sometimes vegetarian if there's, you know, chocolate that tempts me um, the occasional time. But uh, yeah, I've been like plant-based for, uh, yeah, I think three or four years now, um, which is quite a, which is quite a sway away from where I was before. And why the cutting out of the sugar? Uh, I just, um, yeah, I, I just, I'd like to kind of have a, a, a sort of New Year's resolution that sort of helps me grow a little bit. I had sort of, I started a, a few years ago where I, you know, tried to read um, two books every month um, and I sort of got to the end of the year and wanted to keep reading, but maybe not as intensely as that. And then last year's resolution was to, you know, take up running and try and do the best time I could do in a 5k, basically a park run. And again, with that, I kind of, it got to the end of the year and then I kept on running a bit, but not as intensely. So I'm sort of picking up these little habits and I'm hoping I, I have a very, very sweet tooth and I'm, uh, I fall victim to sort of just gorging on sugary stuff. Um, and, um, that's usually when I kind of slip on, uh, slip up on the veganism. So I'm sort of hoping that, you know, I, even though it's a bit of a rigorous kind of regime of, of food at the minute, you know, by the end of the year that will have kind of relaxed and I'll sort of take the good parts of it and leave the intense parts behind. Wow, I mean that is really impressive, and um, I've actually just finished. I did an ultra marathon at the weekend. Oh wow! Congrats. Yeah, thank you. Um, and so we sort of had like my weekend of, you know, blowout, well earned alcohol and um, you know, curries and pies and whatnot, and Lovely. so yeah, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was well needed. But sort of as of yesterday I was thinking right and that really need to up my fruit and veg and sort of just get back on um that sort of trail I guess if you like to um I suppose as a bit to sort of try and support my recovery um yeah, yeah so you know and I guess I've been sort of reading all of this stuff about um plants and the way in which they fuel your recovery and um so yeah, so sort of trying to do that at the moment, and um, and I'm totally with you with the meal prep. Actually, before we started recording this, I was getting my oats ready for the morning. 
Oh, nice silver night oats. Yay! But presumably, you must um, have a lot of faith then with you, like doing these um, enterprises, if you will. Yeah, um, yeah. I get a lot. I get um, I get a good amount out of the out of the garden, and then I, uh, you know, pick up everything else I can. It's um, yeah, it's a lot of sort of legumes, um, a lot of kind of cruciferous veg, you know, like kind of broccolis and. Um, cauliflower uh, and yeah beans tofu all that kind of stuff um yeah it's in bulk at the minute uh, you know at the start of the year it was a bit of a slog to try and get all the kind of calories in that i was going for in such you know concentrated food like that but um i suppose you get used to it over time and so do you take part then in a lot mate are you um sort of letting or renting yeah so i uh in lockdown of last year, the sort of first lockdown, I kind of, um, it, you know, really allowed me to, you know, we're, we're quite lucky to have a garden. I, at the time when I found it, a lot of me was really, you know, I was the kind of customer I was going for, which where I didn't have my own garden at all, but live kind of, um, you know, quite central South London. And uh, now we're, we're grateful to have a garden space. And in lockdown last year, I started, you know, fully getting into, you know, utilizing as much space at the back garden as possible and creating new little beds um you know and it was great the first sort of season was was a bit of a learning curve for me as it is for for many new gardeners but um so i kind of that my opinion was you know I'll, I'll i'd be happy to just watch it you know grow and see what i can get out of it you know but um at the end of it we got like quite a big tomato harvest um you know garlic uh onions things like that the kind of basics um but now um because i've i've been sort of uh so busy with with a lot of me i've not had the time to be out in the garden as much as possible so i kind of thought i would go along with the ride um so i was the first a lot me host essentially on the platform and i now happily have a um you know a local green finger uh who comes around and yeah plants out stuff and you know i'll water it for her but um yeah every every other space in the garden is pretty much hers and she's got all stuff growing on it so it's great and how's it working out between you guys yeah really good really good yeah i think you know when it comes to really um old world sort of pastimes like growing your own food there's a reason that people have done it for so long and and there's such a community that comes along with it i think people are always so you know quick to offer help and advice or her you know i think um corey who's renting the plot um you know as soon as she started she was chatting you know she's chatting to everybody about it and she got so much free plants and you know heads to get started and um you know lots of advice and tips and I think that's really nice to see and and obviously from my kind of couple of seasons of, of gardening in it um you know I'll, I'll help where i can or i'll i'll you know i'll go out and just get my hands dirty with her as well because i just enjoy the process of it more than anything well and i guess the relational aspect is such a huge part of it as well i mean i've been seeing in depressed that you've been sort of being um likened to airbnb yeah um you know, I'm a lover of Airbnb as well. But I guess the difference is with Airbnb is that people are sort of renting accommodation for short-term stays. You know, sometimes they might be renting accommodation of somebody that's not in the place, you know. So there might actually be sort of very little in-person contact, whereas I'm guessing um, you guys are sort of, you know, you're in a longer-term arrangement, you're going to be spending more time with one another. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, they, they essentially rely in Airbnb with, for for global supply and global demand 
and we're the exact opposite local supply local demand so um and it is a long-term relationship um so yeah you see a lot of people will do viewings and things like that before they um before they, they they host of course um or they'll have specific requirements but what they kind of want to do so that they find the right person but i think once once that happens you know it's a really it's a really nice thing that you have people that live probably very close to each other but just wouldn't have interacted otherwise so um yeah that's hope we hope to get you know as, as many of those little kind of microcosm interactions as to what you might get in like a community garden you know or doing something else like that yeah that's a really nice comparison actually the community garden i've um i'm listed as a host on a lot me and did actually have somebody to come and um you know sort of came and had a viewing and we chatted and you know and i mean a nice guy i just don't know that it was sort of feels like you're describing a dating app but it, it didn't <laughs> it didn't really sort of feel like the right you know it didn't feel like the connection was there completely or maybe it wasn't the right timing I don't know but um in, you know it hasn't really come off the ground between the two of us um yeah. so, I, so I'm still on the app waiting for a um potential planter mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that's sort of such a huge part of it, isn't it? Because um, you know, you have to be available to uh, let somebody in, or you know, make arrangements to be able to let them into your garden. Like you said, you know, you're sort of watering the plants for um, Corey when she's not there, and I guess it's um, it has to have to be sort of the right sort of fit as well. Yeah, that's it. I think and. Yeah, it, it, it's one of the things that I've definitely learned, um, you know, more so since we've launched of sort of seeing those interactions and sort of seeing what we can do to kind of help that sort of process, you know, you know, adding bookings onto the for, for viewings onto the site and sort of make it as much uh, information as, as available as possible for everyone so that that kind of trust is built um, and you're able, you know, makes it easier to find that kind of right person that, that you know, I, I got quite lucky with Corey, you know, she's of a similar age um, and she's working kind of a similar schedule and, um, you know, it's, 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 it's pretty easy going, but uh, yeah, it's definitely important to find the right person because it is, it is that long-term relationship. And, and especially once somebody gets a kind of good vegetable garden established, you want to make sure that, you know, you can have it for, for a while to, to watch it grow completely and so how does your current relationship with food differ from your past relationship oh um quite drastically to be honest um my so i mentioned sort of changing to plant-based diet like three or four years ago and before that i was the worst kind of um habitual eater i would just kind of buy you know a rack of ribs or something on in the supermarket you know right before going home and just have it for dinner without a salad, without sides, anything. Um, I, I suppose that maybe comes from, you know, I, I played rugby most of my adult life. So there's a bit of a kind of culture of just, you know, eat meat and, you know, get big and that kind of thing. And um, yeah, realized that it wasn't it wasn't the most productive thing and it wasn't the most efficient thing or, or friendly, friendly way to behave to, to the environment. So, um, you know, literally changed overnight to um to plant-based and immediately my my diet got healthier as a result um and my relationship with food changed you know drastically um and yeah there's there's probably the looking back there's probably little breadcrumbs again as to why you know why that happened um 
I spent some time, I spent a year in America, essentially, um, in between sort of university courses for architecture, uh, you know, doing like an internship over there. And at the time, um, I, uh, in this, in the summer, well, a friend of mine from, again, from rugby over there, actually, um, was setting up these little farmer stands um, farm market stands in sort of flea markets and outside restaurants. And, and he and his brother, um, had bought a refrigerator van and they were going to farms just outside uh, New York City um, or on Jersey from sort of family friends that they knew in the area and just getting big batches of fruit and veg direct from the farm. And these are like, you know, small scale family farms. And they would bring it in and set up a table in a flea market um, in Queens, one in the Upper East Side outside a, a restaurant. And then I got set up one in queens outside another italian restaurant and yeah we just stand there all day and sort of sell the, the fruit and veg and before that i i barely ate any you know vegetables at all so it was a big kind of awakening for me and, and the the produce was so good because it was so fresh and it, he would do this thing you know they were great salesmen the, the pair of brothers and i kind of learned well from them you know they would do this thing where they take this uh, jersey sweet corn and just um peel it back and bite it raw, you know, eat it raw in front of people if they were like, oh, what's this? And um, because it was so it was so fresh and so sweet um, and it was really nice as well, you know, sort of uncooked sweet corn. Um, so that, yeah, that that was, a, I think, a rude awakening for me because there was just so much good produce on front of me that I was then selling. Then we take home whatever was left over and obviously cook it through the week and stuff. So um, I'd say that probably had a bigger impact than I realized at the time, you know, it was, it would be several years later that I'd switch up to, to plant beets, um, all the vegetables there are, you know, I think beforehand I probably didn't, you know, I had a very narrow field of veg that I would eat alongside things. And now there's not, there's not the only vegetable I don't eat is, um, is beetroot big no, no for me, but the rest of it is good. <laughs> Why don't you try goose in it? Uh, it's just that, you know, beetroot flavor is one of those that cuts into almost anything that you put it with. Um, so I think it's just, it's the sharpness of it has always affected me in a way I, I, I don't agree with. And it has got a really earthy flavor to it, hasn't it? It's like really distinct. Um, yeah. But I'm really taken aback because I was not expecting you to say any of that at all. And maybe it's because you set up a lot of me and, you know, and I guess maybe with my perception of you as sort of really green fingered and being plant based and whatnot. That I was, you know, I wasn't really sort of prepared for you to say that you didn't used to eat fruit or vegetables and you just ate a really... Um, high meat diet I mean that is really interesting and um and I guess really inspirational as well for other people if they're sort of thinking about making changes yeah absolutely it's it, like I've properly you know I've come on a long journey of it and I'm sure people who knew me kind of like 15 years ago would be would be shocked to kind of hear or see what I'm doing but um yeah if I always say if I can do it then anyone can um because yeah I was a, a, a meathead for lack of a better word at the time and um yeah it, it had so much positive effects on me i mean you're a you're an ultra runner so you you know um they kind of you know you're chatting about the recovery and getting getting your veg in for that and i straight away i noticed you know i lost i lost you know weight but not not in a bad way and i uh you know was able to have so much more endurance when i was playing rugby or running or whatever it was i was doing oh yeah and i guess it's, it's 
funny, isn't it? Because I think we sort of almost take these things for granted. Like I think, you know, I've been vegan for um, a few years now and I've been, I mean, the ultra runs are newer, but I have been running consistently for like the last 10 years. Well, I think you almost sort of take it for granted, um, you know, what you do in terms of movement and how you eat, you know, mm. sort of that just becomes your norm. But I really like what you said about it being a journey because I guess when we do um, look back and sort of like you, you know, I've come on leaps and bounds with food and, um, you know, used to be a really extremely fussy eater, um, you know, and really picky with food. So it is really sort of interesting to look back around that, I guess, sort of somebody's trajectory of food as well. Yeah. And so what do you do well in terms of food waste? Well, I think I think that that is where the sort of growing your own food has had has sort of taken me that next step of sort of awareness about what I'm eating and, and the way that kind of, you know, food goes through the process of, you know, cooking discarding whatever it is um you know i think when you when you're growing your own stuff the next time you go to this the you know supermarket you pick up food and you kind of you look at the back of a pack of onions and you kind of see okay it's that's come from israel Uh, and it sort of makes you think about you know the journey it's been on and that you need to you know sort of value the, the yeah value it essentially and you know so certainly i know you're you love a a yellow sticker in the supermarket i am mad for that as well and i think i'm always sort of saying to my partner you know she'll she'll say oh it's it's past the sell by date and i'm sort of my my reaction is always you know smell it feel it look at it you know nature has given you the kind of signs that if it's not okay to eat anymore otherwise you know go ahead because you know somebody's essentially just stamped a, a, a label on it because they have to but um, yeah, I'm always kind of pushing the boundaries of that, and it's a bit safer to do that when you are um, when you are vegan because you know it's not like meat or, or eggs or dairy or things like that, which is going to go off in a bad way. Um, so yeah, it's it, growing your own has definitely made made me more aware of that and try to push for the, the limits of of what those sell by dates really um, are used for. And then the other thing is just uh, food waste in the garden. You know, being able to put it into a compost bin in the garden and then cycle that energy back into the, you know, as, as compost and, and fertilizer. And um, because, you know, so much, uh, so much of those brown little food bins get filled up so, so quickly and they're tiny. And when you have your own um, food waste uh, bin in the garden, it just, you know, it, you're doing yourself so many favors because it's, it's not being transported then to a food waste processing plant or wherever it might go. Um, and then it's going right back into your garden. And whenever you have local um, compost that you've made yourself, it's much better for your environment because it's been composted in the same environment where it's going to be applied to. So um, in terms of the kind of food growing um, cycle, it's helped me a lot. And it's kind of yeah, eval- made me reevaluate the kind of the value of, of when something is food waste and when it's still just food. Well, and that's the thing, even though it's not come off the ground with um, me and my plotter that was actually one of the things that really sort of um, attracted me to his um, well to having him do sort of growing stuff in the garden was that he makes his own fertilizer mm-hmm. yeah and yeah and I've been reading actually about some you know some things you can do I think what they say is it like coffee it's sort of coffee residue is good for growing vegetables and crushed 
eggshells as well, isn't that yeah, good? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, there's lo there's loads of household kind of things which which are work as kind of natural sort of fertilizer to the compost as well. Um, yeah, and it's interesting when you start reading into that world. There are so many different ways to do it as well. Sort of bakashi compost as well, and you know creating the kind of positive microorganisms around the garden that that really help it thrive. And a lot of it comes from food waste. And I do love what you were saying about yellow stickers. I've actually got some yellow sticker corn in the cob in the fridge. So when you were saying about biting straight into it, I was thinking, oh, shall I give that a go later? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, don't know if it's Jersey corn, you know, like we have yeah, yeah. corn stands, but uh, give it a go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not quite Jersey corn. <laughs> yeah, no, one, of, one of a kind. <laughs> and so what do you want to do more of in terms of food waste? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think, you know, we, ha we have the food, um, we have the food compost at the back. And I think I'd like to sort of get into a bit more of the details of separating out the sort of fertilizer that you can get from it and trying different methods of, of composting that work to benefit the garden um, and sort of get everybody in, in, in the kind of building to, you know, on, on track with that as well. Um, and I think it just hopefully that will kind of inform you know what what's taken from the garden as well and I, like it's cory that's growing the produce i've still got you know some of my kind of uh my window box um veg as well and she's i think you know already saying uh, you know she's going to share uh, uh lots of the stuff that she's growing but i really want to kind of uh plan um the, my food better as well so that obviously you know everything in the garden is grown seasonally but try and actually you know supplement anything that we're buying that is completely seasonal as well so that we know that it hasn't therefore traveled in the same way um and you know you don't get all those kind of um the, the same carbon output with it and then when you're doing that i think it's it's only natural that you reduce your food waste because you're planning with the seasons um when you do harvest stuff you can freeze it or you can blanch it or you can you know use various methods to keep it going um over time and then it helps you plan better for for future seasons as well i think once you're thinking about the sort of full cycle of it um it really gives you a better picture to to plan essentially well you're motivating me actually because i've got a friend who's um andy who's got an allotment and when I saw him last week, he gave me a huge bag of broad beans. Mm -hmm. nice. um, yeah, really nice. Well, I've been eating them and I've also been, um, what, shelling them, would you say? I want to say podding, but I guess you shell them, don't you? So I've been shelling yeah. them. <laughs> podding works too. Yeah, <laughs> podding my beans um, yeah. and putting them in the freezer. But you've actually sort of given me a bit of a nudge to... Uh, pod some more and put some more in the freezer because like you say you know the broad beans came from his allotment there is no best before sell by use by date on there you know so it's just Absolutely. a case of um me having to make my judgment by looking at the vegetable yeah looking at it giving it a sniff that's the way yeah absolutely or you're you know all sort of finding a way of preserving it like freezing it you know I took some to a friend yesterday so food sharing as well and that's what yeah. I really like about your site is the sharing of food between sort of host and plotter yeah absolutely and I think we like we see a very sort of mix of you know um plots that are listed for a certain price and then you know people who are just 
giving away the land but like want to would like a share of it and I, you know definitely encourage that as well yeah absolutely absolutely because I guess that sort of feels like the main premise you know it doesn't really feel like you're going to make big money by um, renting out your garden space you know it's, it's not sort of it's not a scheme you're going to retire on is it it's almost yeah, like no. uh, you know it's sort of an incentive to like you said have somebody utilize um space that isn't being used they're sort of um bringing communities together the sharing of food and encouraging more people into sort of garden and growing you mentioned mental health earlier and so many benefits yeah absolutely i think i think the mental health one hopefully is is, is one that, that that rings true with a lot of people because you know certainly for us during lockdown the god having the garden in the first period was was a godsend and you know there there you know there are institutions are kind of getting around to the idea that that it's actually such a you know it's such an aid for mental health issues like the NHS are looking at prescribing, you know, it's like nearly a million appointments for green prescriptions over the next five years. So it's great to see that that's kind of being adopted into the kind of mainstream, you know, medicine as well. And what would they get then with a the prescription? Would that be access to sort of an allotment? Yeah, it, it varies. Um, but um, there are sort of different, uh, there are different little kind of groups of community gardens that uh, provide kind of, you know, passes and, and, bring people in that are that are that are prescribed that sometimes the, the, it's a you know the green prescription is what they call it and it could just be a prescription to go and spend you know several hours in a park or in nature a week um and it, it's you know it's interesting to see and obviously when gardens or, or if it's an allotment group that um you know you, you also get that community aspect to it so that's definitely i think why you know you will see more of that well, yeah, and I guess there's the sort of sense of building mastery and a sense of accomplishment. Um, I mean, I'm a bit of a begrudged planter, which is why I'm hosting and not listed as a plotter. Yeah. Um, but I don't know whether people see potential in me because people keep giving me things. So I've got like a chilli plant that I was um, given as a birthday present uh, last year, as it goes, and a raspberry plant. I've now got a tomato plant and... Um, Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I've sort of been given these. I'm sounding really ungrateful, but I've been given these gifts begrudgingly um, <laughs> because it feels like a big responsibility. But now I am starting to see sort of the chilies regrow from last year, and I'm starting to see that my raspberry plant has got flowers. I'm feeling really hopeful, and there is the sort of sense of achievement that, okay, well, I've managed to keep this pot alive, and now it's. Um, creating more produce yeah yeah yeah, completely and so you know now i've got my fingers crossed for my tomatoes yeah absolutely i think it's it's great to have that kind of catharsis of watching something grow and getting something from it and it's it's like that sort of low level responsibility you know like we can't have pets in our flat but i i have the garden and i have all the plants to kind of you know water every day and um it you know yeah i think in a in a in a digital world where everything is kind of instant having you know being taught that kind of patience and and that long-term care for something i think it's such an important point and i guess as well it sort of promotes you being outside because um 
know, sort of thinking that predominantly over the last year I've worked from home and having pots out in the garden, plant pots out in the garden, means that I have to physically go out and water them because it can be very easy to just spend the whole day in the house, you know, between working and you know, preparing meals and doing housework or whatever it is, you know, like if you don't sort of make a conscious effort to go outside, they could have passed you by. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those little um, routine, you know, in the warmer days to get up first thing in the morning and just go out to the garden before doing anything else and just get the hose on and, and kind of start watering everything because there's a nice sort of stillness to it. You've been outside already and uh, it's kind of sets you up for the day pretty well. Definitely. And so what sort of food changes would you want to see in the world? Yeah, well, I think, you know, um, there are, there are great companies out there that are, um, that are doing things for food waste, like Olio and Oddbots, um, companies like that, that are, that are repurposing the sort of veg in the, in the food supply chain. Um, for me, I'd love to see more, well, obviously I'd love to see more people growing their own fruit and veg. And I think, um you know as time goes on but you know it's like by 2050 70 percent of the earth's population will be living in cities when the uk were we're already at 75 percent and you know i think that's people talk about uh the exodus of cities during covid but i think that's really you know those are the short-term effects i think in in the long term you're still going to get young people in their 20s moving to the city and you'll still see people staying around for for work um so the more we can put the power of you know of saving that carbon from all those food miles into everyday people to grow their own food and especially those without their own space the better and and there's other you know there's other ways of of doing that like there's lots of um really interesting vertical farm companies and indoor farm companies where they use hydroponics to um grow with led lights but i think you know having a way to empower us you know as consumers or citizens on a, on a day-to-day -day basis to, to like have a little space to grow your own food and even if it is um a small kind of piecemeal bit of land to do it i think the smallest impact like for me what, what i would hope perspective were next time you go to the supermarket you reevaluate what you're buying and where it comes from and how you you know you make sure that you use it and and not just going by sell by date so i think it has all these kind of knock-on effects once you start growing for your own so um yeah to to empower as many people as possible and and uh you know come up with new and inventive ways to do that that'll be the the aim and have you got any tips then for anyone that wants to sort you know is interested in growing their own fruit and veg but doesn't really know where to start yeah absolutely um is to grow stuff that you eat a lot of um so if you find things like spinach comes up my in my diet quite regularly now or even lettuce or um onions garlic that type of thing um there's certain all those ones I, I mentioned just there are fairly easy to grow as well um and then obviously look at where what you what sort of species a space that is small but has a lot of light you could you know you can get a lot out of space with a lot of light with um salads and herbs or if you've got you know more space that doesn't have as much light you know you can look to use things that don't need uh, light in the same way or, or more root vegetables as well so um 
there is also uh, on on um, on a uk. There's uh, if you go forward slash growing, there's a whole sort of database of the kind of best YouTube videos and tutorials and step by step guides um, on most uh, fruit and veg that people will grow in the UK. So um, check that out. There's 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 pretty easy easy to follow guides on there. Um, and yeah, just just get started. I think it's uh, you know starting. Uh, I did a I did a little class with with a, a, a high school in in New York on it, and it was just starting with um, the seeds that you buy from or the seeds that you get from tomatoes and peppers from the supermarket. And I've grown full tomato plants from Sainsbury's bought peppers, where I've just dried the seeds out for a week, planted them, and they're now you know like twelve inch tall pepper plants. Wow! So there's, there's there's really a lot that you can do with with a small amount and available to start off with um and feeling that you know garden centers are, are great to get started for if you're looking for a certain veg that you use a lot of and where's the best place that people can find you um they can find me i'm usually popping up um now and again on the allot me instagram so it's just allot me underscore uk um or I'm on LinkedIn, or um, you know, find out more information about the company AllotMe and the mission, um, or how you can help on AllotMe.co.uk. Oh, that's amazing, Connor. It's been really great chatting to you. Um, you have really inspired me to keep my plant pots alive. Oh, glad to hear it. No, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Bye now. What a lovely guy, Raiders, and what a fantastic initiative. So I've just put some broad beans aside to take into work tomorrow, actually, to share, because Connor has got me all motivated in thinking about community. And I am going to pod some more broad beans whilst I watch EastEnders to put in the freezer. Let me know if you're doing any planting yourself, any herb pots, any veg. If you sign up to a lot me, drop me a line on... Um, Instagram where you can find my link tree, put me an email, DM, whatnot, and don't forget to uh, rate, share, review this episode. Until next week, Raiders, take care. Bye.